assuming that we, we all know some things. But how do we learn them? How do we know the things that we know? Let me suggest two ways of knowing things. Here they are, two ways. first one is human discovery. The second one is outside revelation. Let me explain what I mean by those two things. Human discovery, that is what human beings can find out for themselves. So when I was a child, I touched an iron and it was hot. And I discovered that an iron is hot and if you touch it, you'll get burned. That is human discovery. That's something that I found out for myself. If I jump in the air, I know that I'll come down again. I won't float off into space. I know that because I can discover that for myself. And as human beings, through science, we can discover many things through reason, through our intelligence. There's loads of things that we can find out. We can find out about atoms. We can find out how far the Earth is from the sun. Well, some people can. I can't, but some people can. We can. All these things are human discovery. But the opposite of human discovery is outside revelation, and that is something completely different. That is not something that we discover for ourselves, but it's something that is revealed to us. It's not something that we can do an experiment in a laboratory and find out. It's not something that we can reason our way to using our own intelligence. It's something that has to be shown to us. Something that we cannot know on our own that has to be shown to us, has to be revealed. Now, some people would say that there is no such thing as outside revelation. In other words, you can know everything that there is to know just by human discovery. I was looking the other day at the website of the Council of Secular Humanism. It's not a particularly edifying website, but I was looking at it anyway. And look, I just want to put up on the screen, these are their fundamental principles, okay? These are the first two fundamental principles of the secular humanism, whatever they are. They say this. This is very interesting. Listen to this, if you can understand it. We're committed to the application of reason and science, to the understanding of the universe, and to the solving of human problems. We deplore efforts to denigrate human intelligence, to seek to explain the world in supernatural terms, and to look outside nature for salvation. That is what the secular humanist society believe. Can you see what they're saying? They're saying there's no such thing as outside revelation. That is, that is to put down human intelligence. Human discovery is all we need. We can discover everything that we need to know on our own. With our own intelligence, we can work it out. We can solve all the world's problems using our own intelligence. There's no such thing as outside revelation. And I think a lot of people in our world believe that. A lot of people in our world say, actually, I can work things out on my own. I don't need anyone to reveal something to me. Human beings are clever enough through science, and we put a lot of faith in science, and all these things, and we say we can discover everything we need to know. Now, let me put alongside that a verse from Daniel, chapter 2, verse 28. And it's just such an amazing contrast to what the humanists say. Look at Daniel chapter 2, verse 28. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Now, can you see what a difference that is? What a contrast that is to the secular humanist society. Outside of our world, there is a God who reveals mysteries. 
Now, you know, I think this is a fabulous phrase. And I've really enjoyed looking at this phrase and thinking about it and seeing what a difference this makes, what a wonderful thing this is about God. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And it teaches us a lot about God and it teaches us a lot about ourselves. And, you know, it challenges so much of what people believe in our world today. See, lots of people say, there's no God in heaven. There is no God. I can't do an experiment to prove him. I can't see him. People say this to me all the time. They say, I can't, I can't see him, so I don't believe there's a God. But, you know, that, that's assuming that our brains are big enough to work God out. And, you know, that seems to me to be a pretty dangerous assumption to make. To assume that if that, that I can work God out if there is a God, that seems to me to be pretty foolish. That seems pretty arrogant to me. To say that because I can't work it out, there can't be a God. That seems arrogant. Other people in our world would say, well, yes, okay, I do believe there's a God in heaven, but he doesn't reveal mysteries. We don't know what, what he's like. It's impossible to know what God is. I believe there's some kind of God out there. I believe there's some kind of force but we can't know who he is or we can't know if he's kind. We don't know if he cares about people. We don't know where he is, what he does, what he thinks, what his purposes are. So the Bible says both those views are wrong. The Bible is so clear. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And this is a fantastic view of God. And it blows out of the water so much of what our world says so much of what people think. And I hope tonight, as we think about this phrase, as we chew it over tonight, that we'll get it in our heads, that we'll get it clear. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Well, let's have a look at this chapter of Daniel. Daniel chapter 2, which teaches us all about this God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And here's the first thing about the God who reveals mysteries. He reveals what people can't know. Now, that's the whole point of a, of a mystery, isn't it? A mystery is something that, that you don't know. So, when you read an Agatha Christie mystery, it doesn't say on the front page, on the inside cover, by the way, this is who the murderer is and this is what happened, because that wouldn't be a mystery anymore. A mystery is something that I, that I don't know. And that's the point. God is revealing something that we cannot know on our own. Poor old King Nebuchadnezzar. He was the most powerful man in the whole world. He was king of the biggest superpower. He was the most powerful, impressive ruler. Babylon, which ruled the world. He had a massive empire. He had everything he could want. He had everything at his disposal. And yet, in Daniel chapter 2, verse 1, he's troubled by dreams and he can't sleep. Most powerful king in the world, he can't sleep because he's having a dream. He can't. It keeps him awake. This dream that he keeps having. He has a dream, but he doesn't know what it's about. And it really bothers him. He can't understand it. So what does he do? Well, this king, this powerful King Nebuchadnezzar, he turns to human discovery. He turns to human discovery to try and find the answer. He calls all the most brilliant people together, the wise people, and he sets them a challenge. He says, you tell me what my dream means. But human discovery fails. See, they come very confident. Just look at verse 4. Look how confident these guys are. They come, tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it for you. 
very confident in their human discovery of these wise people. But you know, Nebuchadnezzar isn't stupid. You see, Nebuchadnezzar knows if he tells them his dream, then they can make up any interpretation they want. So Nebuchadnezzar says to them, now hang on a second, I want you to tell me my dream and interpret it. I want you to prove that you can interpret my dream by telling me what I dreamed. But look at what they say in verse 10. You can can tell they're scared. (laughs) This man's a nasty man. There's not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. Did you see what they're saying? They're saying there is a limit to human discovery. There are some things which human discovery cannot know. Some things which it's just impossible to know. They say to the king, that's impossible. We cannot do it. And that's very humbling, isn't it? Very humbling. King Nebuchadnezzar, he's the most powerful king in the world. He has everything he could want. Yet he's troubled by a dream. And look at verse 12. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men in Babylon. I mean, what is the point of having a wise man of spending all this money training them if when you want them to tell you something they can't? Oh, what's the point? What's the point of a wise man that can't reveal a mystery to me? That, oh, let's just kill them. Kill them all. What a waste of space these wise men are. Hopeless. Rubbish. So he says, let's just kill them. Let's cut them to pieces and make their houses rubble. He's a nasty man, this Nebuchadnezzar. No wonder the wise men were scared. But human discovery has failed. They can't work it out. There's a limit. Now, of course, the problem in the book of Daniel is that among the wise men is this man, Daniel, one of God's people. Someone who's been brought to Babylon as a captive, taken out of his land and brought to Babylon. And Daniel does something pretty brave. When you think about what Nebuchadnezzar's like, Daniel is extraordinarily brave. Look at verse 16. Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Now that is brave because we've already seen that human discovery has failed. It's useless. There's some things which human discovery cannot work out. But here's the crunch. What does Daniel do? Does he go home and does he get out his Bunsen burners and does he start trying to work out Does he sit and try and reason his way using his brain power? Does he say, well, hang on, let me just think. I know that Nebuchadnezzar's like this and I know that he has these kind of tendencies so maybe this is what he... Does he work it out? No. Look at verse 17. Daniel returned to his house, explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, Nazariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. See, what do you do when human discovery fails? What do you do when you have something that human discovery can't do? Well, you turn to the God who reveals mysteries. You turn to the God of heaven. He's the one who reveals mysteries. And look at verse 19, look what happened. During the night, the mystery was revealed. Daniel didn't work it out. It was revealed to him in a vision. This is not human discovery. This is outside revelation. God reveals what people cannot know on their own. 
So Daniel goes back to the king. And it's very interesting, because the king says in verse 26 to Daniel, are you able to interpret, to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? And we might expect Daniel to say, well, yes, I am. Yes, I know. But he doesn't say that. Look at, look at his answer. He says, no wise man, enchanter, magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. This is something that human discovery can't find out, but... Verse 28, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. That couldn't be clearer, could it? Where human discovery fails, the revealer of mysteries steps in. He reveals what people cannot know on their own. Now the problem with this is that it's very humbling. The problem is that this is basically saying that we cannot know everything. This is saying that the secular council of humanism is wrong. We cannot know everything for ourselves. It's like those games. You must have all played those. They're kind of party games when you, you have like a puzzle and everyone's got to work it out. I don't know if you've ever done the one with scissors where you pass them round and you pass them crossed and uncrossed. Does anyone know that? Anyway, basically you pass them round and everybody has to try and work out what, what's going on. And it's very funny because by the end everybody knows the secret apart from one person. And they're sitting there going, oh, I don't know. I don't. And it's a horrible feeling, isn't it? And someone says, um, well, shall I, shall I explain it to you? I said, no, I can work it out on my own. I don't need help, I can do it. And, and eventually they have to say, oh, I don't know. Someone tell me, I don't know, what, I don't know what this is about. If you don't know this is a game, it's not that exciting. But everybody else is saying, everybody else is saying, it's so easy, come on. And, but your pride, pride says, no, I can work this out on my own. Doesn't pride, don't you see that in children? I was like this as a child. My mum would say, can I help you? I'd say, no. I can do it on my own. And that's what we're like. We say, I don't want anything. I want to do it on my own. I can work things out. And it's humbling to be told, you cannot know everything. There is to know. So, you know, we need to be humble enough to acknowledge that there is some stuff that our brains can't know. We need to be humble enough to allow God, the revealer of mysteries, to show us what we can't know for ourselves. And it's not just Daniel 2. This is right the way through the Bible. Let me show you one other example. Jesus, when he was on earth, said something very similar. Look at these words that Jesus said from Matthew chapter 11. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them, notice that, revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. Now, we need to get this clear tonight. Understanding God, understanding God's purposes is not about being brilliantly wise and clever. You do not have to be a professor to be a Christian. You don't need a degree to be a Christian. In fact, you don't even have to be clever to be a Christian. Isn't that a relief? You don't have, yes, I agree. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have to be a genius to be a Christian. You just need be humble enough to say to God, please reveal to me what I can't know for myself. Well, how does God reveal himself to us today? Well, primarily it's through his words. You see, we don't actually need visions and dreams like Daniel had, because it's all written down for us in his word. This is the most wonderful revelation of God. And as we read the Bible, as we read about the Lord Jesus, who shows us what God is like, then we can discover things that we can't know for ourselves. 
This is the Bible is God revealing what we cannot know on our own. But you see, we need to come to the Bible humbly. Not thinking we know it all, not thinking that we can work it all out, but saying, God, please reveal yourself to me as I read your word. That's what Daniel did, isn't it? He got down on his knees and he pleaded with God and said, God, Lord of heaven, please reveal this mystery to me. Do you ever read the Bible like that? Do you ever read the Bible on your knees pleading with the God of heaven to reveal mysteries to you? That's what Daniel did. That's how we really discover. That's when God reveals himself as we plead with him. Do you know, it seems to me that the reason that so many people in our world don't understand this book and so many people in our world rubbish it is because they're too proud. Because they've never actually come to God's word humbly. People treat this book like a textbook. And they say, oh, let me see if I can work things out. Let me see if I can understand. Let me analyse this and do this to it and see if I can be really clever. If you read the Bible like that, you will never understand it. It will never make sense. Because God is the revealer of mysteries. And we need God to reveal himself to us. I wonder if you ever thought, why, why didn't God just reveal himself straight to Nebuchadnezzar? Why did God do all this funny thing of giving Nebuchadnezzar a dream and then people nearly all dying and then giving the interpretation to Daniel? Why was that? Do you know, I think it was to humble King Nebuchadnezzar. I think it was to say to Nebuchadnezzar, there's some things you can't know on your own. Can you imagine if Nebuchadnezzar had been able to work out his dream? If he'd been able to know what it was all about, he'd have been, well, how clever am I? Listen, everyone, the great Nebuchadnezzar has had a dream and I can tell you what it means. He would have been proud. But instead of Nebuchadnezzar getting the praise, where does all the praise go in Daniel 2? It all goes to God, doesn't it? It all goes to the God of heaven who reveals mysteries. When people make great discoveries, I don't know if anyone here has ever made a great discovery. No. Any Nobel Prize winners? Um, we, we normally give a, a prize, don't we? And we, uh, we award great discoveries and we say, have a Nobel Prize for your brilliant discovery. But it's totally different in Daniel chapter 2 because Daniel doesn't make a big thing of his discovery. Daniel makes a big thing of God. Because Daniel says, well, I'm not clever. It's nothing to do with me. God's revealed it to me. Look at how he praises God in verse 20. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. Do you see how God gets the praise? If we're going to come to God, if we're going to come to know God, the only way you can know God is if God reveals himself to you. We cannot work God out We cannot reason our way to him. It is arrogance to say that I can discover God for myself. It's only when we're prepared to say, I acknowledge that I don't know everything, please reveal yourself to me. It's only then that we'll discover God. Can I say, if you're not a Christian here tonight, are you prepared to be humble enough to read this book, to read God's word, to read the Bible, and to read it saying, God, reveal your mysteries, Reveal to me what I cannot know on my own. Are you prepared to do that? If you don't have a Bible, um, maybe you're a student, you didn't bring a Bible with you, 
please ask me on the way out and I'll, I'll give you one. I'll take one out of the pews and give it to you. Um, now, I didn't ask permission, by the way. I have permission to do that. But if you all take that, it'll probably, probably be quite bad. But seriously, seriously, as Christians, we are so passionate that this is God revealing himself that we would love... It would be much better for that Bible to be in your room, you reading it, than sitting in this church all week. We'd much rather... We'll buy some more here. Well, I won't, because I don't... I'm not here, but... They'll buy some more. Because this is, this is how we come to know God. This is how God reveals himself to us. But are you humble enough to read it? Or are you too proud? Well, that's the first thing that Daniel 2 uh, shows us. There's only one other thing, so don't panic. The second thing about the revealer of mysteries is this. He reveals what people need to know. You see, he reveals what people can't know, but he also reveals what people need to know. Now, sometimes people take great delight in revealing useless information. My brother is brilliant. I have a little brother who's brilliant at this. We had a, he was at our house the other day, sitting in our garden, and there's a lot of my other friends there as well. And he said that, there was a lull in the conversation, he said, uh, what is the only team in the entire English football league that doesn't have a letter from the word mackerel in it? I'll tell you, uh, just, so, just so you don't spend the rest of the time trying to work it out. The answer is Swindon Town. I know you all knew that. But. Now look, you can get through life, can't you? You can get through life without knowing that. That is not one of life's kind of... Although I bet some of you use it. I bet some of you go to your friend, hey listen, hey listen, what's the only thing? I bet some of you do that. But you can, that is a useless piece of information. My brother was revealing something that was pretty neither here nor there. Listen, when God reveals himself, when God reveals something, it is of the most enormous importance. What God reveals is what people need to know. This dream that Nebuchadnezzar has, it's not just a random dream that has no importance. It is a message that Nebuchadnezzar desperately needs to hear. And it's actually one we need to hear too. What is this mystery that God reveals then? What is it that, that God reveals to Nebuchadnezzar? Well, we read the dream. Nebuchadnezzar sees this statue. And there are four parts to the statue. There's the head of gold, there's the uh, chest and arms of silver, there's the belly and thighs of bronze, and there's the feet of iron and clay. Then in the dream, a little stone comes, a little rock comes, and it destroys the statue. And the statue gets blown away like a bit of rubbish. And the little rock grows to be a huge mountain. Now maybe that doesn't seem hugely important. And maybe you're thinking, well, what is that about? But as Daniel reveals, as God reveals what it means through Daniel, it is something that Nebuchadnezzar really needs to know. Because the four bits of the statue represent kingdoms. The head of gold is Babylon, and then there's three other kingdoms that will, be followed, that will follow Babylon. You see, the kingdom of Babylon may seem powerful. It may seem impressive. King Nebuchadnezzar may feel pretty safe. But Babylon is going to disappear. And then there's going to be another kingdom, that will disappear too. Another kingdom, oh, that will disappear too. Another kingdom, that will disappear too. See, kingdoms come and kingdoms go. But then there's the little rock. And look at verse 44, which is very important. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. You see, what 
what God reveals, what Nebuchadnezzar really needs to know is that it is only God's kingdom that lasts forever. Nebuchadnezzar may feel safe. He may feel powerful. And in verse, it's interesting because in verse 4, the wise men come to him and say, O king, live forever. And the dream is, no, you're not going to live forever. You're going to die. Just like all the other kingdoms, your kingdom's going to fall apart and disappear and be blown away like rubbish. That's what Nebuchadnezzar needs to know. God reveals that he's not going to live forever. Babylon is not going to last forever, just like every other kingdom of this world, but there is one kingdom that will last forever and ever and ever. And that is the kingdom that God will establish. See, Nebuchadnezzar could never know that on his own. That wasn't something Nebuchadnezzar could discover for himself. As far as he could see, Babylon was strong. It was powerful. But God reveals what Nebuchadnezzar needed to know. That only God's kingdom lasts forever. Now, why is this so important to King Nebuchadnezzar? Why did he need to know it? Well, the answer is pretty obvious. It's because Nebuchadnezzar was a rebel against God. Because Nebuchadnezzar was in a dangerous position. He was a rival of God. He was not part of this kingdom that would last forever. And so he would be swept away like a bit of rubbish. Nebuchadnezzar needed to know it. And by revealing this to Nebuchadnezzar, God was giving him a chance to change sides. He was giving him a chance to join the eternal kingdom. You know those warning signs you get on the motorway? We drove up from Enfield, which is about eight hours' drive. We stopped in Sheffield. Um, so we saw lots of warning signs on the motorway. Now as you drive along the motorway and you see a warning sign, they, they tell you things you need to know, don't they? They don't say things like, as you turn the corner, look out for the pretty windmill on the right dating from the 14th century. They don't say things like that because that, you don't need to know that as you drive on the motorway. They tell you something like, that there's a queue ahead, there's been an accident. And the point is, they tell you something so that you will take action. You're not just supposed to drive by and go, oh, that's interesting. You're supposed to do something. Maybe slow down, maybe take a a, a diversion. Because they reveal something and they're designed to make you take action. That's the point of what God reveals. He says to Nebuchadnezzar, my kingdom's going to last forever. And it's, so take action. Take action, change sides. That's pretty staggering kindness, isn't it? God didn't have to give Nebuchadnezzar this warning. Nebuchadnezzar was a horrible man. He didn't have to reveal what was about to happen. Nebuchadnezzar didn't deserve it, but God was so kind that he revealed it to him. So that Nebuchadnezzar could change sides, could have a chance to be rescued from being swept away. Well, what about us? Well, you know, today God is still revealing what people need to know. Since the days of Nebuchadnezzar, God has revealed his kingdom even more clearly. Because since the days of Nebuchadnezzar, the king has come. Since the days of Nebuchadnezzar, Jesus has come. And Jesus, when he arrived, the first words Jesus says in Mark's Gospel are, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus is God's king. Jesus establishes the kingdom that God spoke about in Daniel chapter 2. That is the kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar saw. And as we read God's words it reveals to us that it is only the kingdom of Jesus that will last forever and ever and ever. And we need to know that. We need to know that because just like Nebuchadnezzar, we are rebels against God. We're on the wrong side. 
by nature we are born as God's enemies outside of his kingdom. And we're in danger of being swept away by God's anger. But God reveals what we need to know. God reveals that it's that his kingdom is the only one that will last forever and that we need to be part of it. See, Jesus didn't come and say, well, look, the eternal kingdom's come, so tough luck, you're doomed. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, the, the kingdom has come, the kingdom is near, so come and join it. Repent, turn around, change sides, stop living your own way. Come and bow the knee to the king. See, Jesus reveals what we need to know. And the most amazing thing about the message of the Bible is that the king died on the cross so that rebels can change sides. See, as Jesus died on the cross, as the king hung on the cross, the anger that I deserve fell on him. He took it completely. The king died in my place so that I can join his kingdom so that I can be part of this kingdom that will last forever and forever and forever. And he invites people. He invites people today, come and join the kingdom. Come and join my kingdom. So now this shows God's amazing kindness. Even though people have rebelled against him, he's chosen to make known what we could never know on our own, but what we really need to know. That it's only the kingdom of Jesus that will last forever. We cannot work that out on our own. God didn't reveal this stuff, we would have no hope. We'd be outside his kingdom, but God reveals it. Can I say, what God reveals through his words is something that every single person here tonight needs to hear, me included. We need to know this. Let me ask you, are you part of this eternal kingdom? Have you seen that Jesus is the king? God revealed this mystery to Nebuchadnezzar so that he would take action. And he wants us to take action tonight. He wants us to change sides. He wants us to be part of his eternal kingdom that will last forever. He wants us to bow down to King Jesus. If you've never bowed down to King Jesus, will you do it tonight? Will you turn to the king tonight? Will you become part of this amazing kingdom that will last forever? Will you do that tonight? Don't be proud. Don't be arrogant. Rather see that the revealer of mysteries has made known what you could never know on your own, but what you really need to know, that it's the kingdom of Jesus that lasts forever. Will you turn to him tonight as your king? Let's pray together.